This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, Jonathan Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast with my one and only co-host, Jeremy Cohen. Jeremy, we're just having some laughs about golf analogies uh, a second ago. Do you, do you play golf, by the way? No, I've played once. I've played 18 holes once. Just one, I didn't know anybody could play golf one time. That's that's yeah, it interesting. Was, you know, it was a networking event for an industry I used to be in. Oh, and okay. they would do something called, I think it was called Best Ball, where... You'd have like four or five people on one team and you'd take whoever hit the best one and then kind of go from there. <laughs> hence, and hence. Yeah, <laughs> it is. But on the very, and mind you, I'd never played golf before. And what I did, what I managed to do was I, on the very last hole, because we started on two, so we ended on one. I uh, sank the putt from like maybe five, six yards away. Um, well, when you hold on, I, I have to, cause someone is just rolled over in their grave. I'm sure. I don't know. A, a dead golfer. Once you're on the green, you no longer refer to the distance as yards. At that point, it becomes feet. Oh, really? Okay. Don't so, ask me why that is. So that maybe, was it 15? No, it was, it was probably, I'm probably exaggerating. It was probably closer to like, you know, it was, it was a putt that I made that I was surprised I was going to make. And I felt like Tiger Woods, winning the masters <laughs> like it was just astonishing that i could actually hit that because I, i'm just i was not good at golf it's still not so uh it was a lot of fun to play i don't know if i'd i'd probably do it again i'd definitely do it again but it's um definitely not easy to to do 18 holes no it's not and especially not easy in new york on a public course when it takes about seven hours um but uh well, we were actually kidding around with a different golf analogy, but I'm going to convert it to, to something else that I think applies. I feel like we are we're definitely on the back nine of making it through this period of no basketball. And I want to say we're we're on like the home stretch. I want to say we're on like the maybe the 14th, 15th hole. But this we're on what feels right now like like a 600 yard par, par five. Um and like, even as we were just talking about, like the draft is November 18th and then that's going to feed into free agency. And then hopefully camp gets started, you know, maybe after Christmas, depending on a few things. But um, it feels like we're in like one of the more arduous stretches. But I I think we we're getting there. We're, we're getting close. And um, to help bring up to help us complete this mammoth hole that we're on right now, which really does feel like the end of the world. Um, you came up. With a gimmick. So given that it's your gimmick, I'm going to let you introduce it. Sure. So on uh, as a nice little Friday afternoon evening news dump. How about that? The, the, I know, right? It's just textbook nicks. Um, textbook, any 
PR agency. It, they really took like, a page from the from the next <laughs> book. <laughs> it's like uh, the Spider-Man meme of them pointing at each other. Yeah. Um, so basically, Porzingis, Christoph Porzingis, had surgery, or he had his his uh, torn MCL. Was it repaired or repla- I think that it was repaired. They took they took it out and they replaced it with the MCL of a frog. Okay, right. So <laughs> no, because amphibians can like regenerate. So they're hoping right. that he could grow like a third leg. No, he is a lizard. Remember? I so, did. There, there you um, go. But basically, this idea came about because. All of a sudden, there's this idea of it's a refresher, you know, that really Porzingis, the way he is, we are very keenly aware as Knicks fans what his um, ability to play can be, his health. And it kind of just reminded me of the bloodbath that the West is. And this sort of idea came about, which was like, well, the Knicks, obviously, like they're going to do whatever they're going to do, right? Whether it's try to win, make whether it's to make a playoff push or if it's to just try to, uh, you know, quote unquote develop, we'll see what that really means. Uh, they're going to do their own thing, but they could also figure a way out to ensure that the Mavericks pick conveys in the lottery. And by doing that, it would mean building up the fringe West teams uh, and any of the teams really in the West that need help by taking on salary or um, trading a player away for a positive gain, you know, whatever it might be that's not throwing the Knicks rebuild completely out of whack. So um, John and I kind of have started coming up with thoughts on what players would move, what the packages might look like in the hopes of, of course, making sure that the Knicks and the Mavs, I guess, have two picks in the top 14 or 20, whatever you call it. So that's where I want to, I want to, so just to be clear, we, we've each come up with some, some fake trades that it's a two, each trade theoretically is a two pronged goal to make the Knicks, it satisfies something like the Knicks are not going to do a trade that is purely to like beef up a Mavericks competitor. Like there's going to be something in it for the Knicks too, but at the same time, it'll theoretically help a competitor of the Mavs. Here's my thing, and I just I, I want this noted for the record because I've I've gone on record for this with this before, and I want I don't want to seem like I'm wavering. I think Kristaps Porzingis could play zero games next year, and I still think the Mavericks are going to make the playoffs. So, and I know that may seem like an outlandish statement, and you never know. And obviously, all it takes is one you know turned ankle or something from Luca, and that becomes a different situation. But barring anything unforeseen happening to Doncic, I think. Like Doncic and like a, a league average supporting cast will get you, you know, 50 wins or damn close in the West, which I think maybe affects who uh, who I would pri- if I was running the Knicks and I actually had this cockamamie scheme, I might want to prioritize helping some of the better teams, because for me, it's like if you told me I could sign right now on the dotted line to get the Mavs pick to be the, I don't know, 21st. 20, like 20, I, w- I think I would sign for 20th right now. I'd probably sign for 21st right now. I don't think I'd sign for anything better, worse than that. Whereas I think you have a little bit more of a hopeful stance as to it may, who knows, maybe it could seep down at the lottery. Is that fair? I don't know if it's necessarily hopeful. I just don't see them as a 50 win squad. I mean, you said if Porzingis doesn't play a single game, I don't think if you take away Porzingis that they're a 50 win team as good as Luca. Doncic is, um, you know, I, I think we saw a good example of the trailblazers and how they struggled when players around them went down. And, 
you know, if we really want to get into that game of uh, Dame or Luca, we could. But I think that if we're to say that they're at least on, um, they're in some type of upper tier and the Trailblazers who the year prior had leads in the Western Conference Finals in three of the four games by double digits in the fourth quarter and blew it. And now they're finding themselves outside of the playoff picture and they probably don't make or yeah, they, they it's it's if, if there's no covid, I think there's a very strong chance that they don't make the playoffs. This is, we this also is saw true. even with covid in the bubble, how close they came to blowing it. And I mean, the Grizzlies obviously did blow it, but the Suns were right on their tail. So it's a sort of thing where if teams around you are getting better and if you see your own team get diminished in some way, whether it's by injury or poor play or both or coaching, whatever it is, you're suddenly not above water. And I mean, we've seen in, in playoffs past where it's what I think maybe like four or five games that were separating the third best team and I think the 10th best team or something like that in the I want to say Jimmy Butler's last full year in Minnesota. They went when, from they were the didn't at one point they had the second best record in the West. Maybe it was third, it was the was third it, best. It was and the third then best. they <laughs> barely made the playoffs because of how ruthless the West was and, that year. And oh, by the way, we should note and look, obviously they didn't have Anthony Davis, but they had talent. Um, you know, a LeBron James team didn't make the playoffs two seasons ago. So that would, I think, go for your argument. Um, what I do want to note, and I have pointed this out in the newsletter by cleaning the glasses, um, expected wins metric, which is basically you take a team's point differential and you, um, project how many wins they should have based on that. The Mavs were the second unluckiest team in the entire NBA last year. Um, they should have had, I think it was four, four and a half more wins than they did. Now, you may point out that even four and a half more wins would not necessarily have improved their um, standing like it, like it, it wouldn't it wouldn't have gotten up into that upper upper crust of, of teams. Fair. Um, and also, we should note that Porzingis is probably going to be back for camp, depending on when camp is, which we, we don't know right now. But I look, I like the I like the bit one because I think it's going to be fun. And two, um, I listen, I think it, there's some real gamesmanship that could go on here. I mean, this is this is the NBA. I mean, if the Knicks have a lot of cap space and they're looking for certain pieces that they could be flexible with, you might. Hey, listen, you might as well try to. uh up your odds here. Yeah. And two things of relevance that we should mention. Uh, the first is this past week, Michelle Roberts, uh, the Ooh, good call mentioning the this. head of the NBPA, not from the player side, but uh, the NBPA president. I actually don't know what her exact title is. I she's think the, of her as the president, but like Chris Paul is also the president, but of the the players. players. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. So uh, the queen, we could maybe call her. <laughs> she funny. said in an interview that she expects the salary cap to actually be around the number that was initially projected, which would be $150 million. Are you surprised I didn't get more attention? I, I was kind of shocked because I, we had been talking about like, it'll be a miracle if it's one Oh nine. And then she just comes out and be like, Oh yeah, we expect it to be one fifteen. which I, I don't know. I thought that was a pretty big deal. Yeah. I wonder if they're going to figure out a way to, I mean, they'll probably have limited people in arenas so well, that way they can uh because 40 percent of their we, we know what this is pointing to it's pointing to fannies and seats uh safer otherwise it's, it's gonna happen. and they'll probably try to maybe structure the schedule in a way where maybe they can um 
get a vaccine in and still have people there. But it, it's going to be tricky, too, because I'm sure a lot of these players, the, the best players in the league, are going to advocate for representing their countries in the Olympics. So I, it's hard to you know do 82 games. But who knows if the Olympics will even happen? I um, don't. I, where, I was on a different podcast, unless it was you that said this to me. I don't think it was you. I think it was somebody else who made the same point. Maybe I'm the asshole. I just don't see them being gung-ho about traveling internationally to other countries where maybe this thing isn't, well, it's not other countries. It's, it's one other country, but, um, where, but I, I don't know. Like international travel right now and in, in the world, all this is going on. You think that they would be, maybe I'm overthinking it. I don't know. Maybe, you know, I mean, it also depends how many, if the country that, I mean, it's Japan that's hosting the Olympics, if they even let Americans in. I, exactly. So, yeah. Um, that, that was one. And the second thing is, um, China finally showed the first game in over a year, which basically says to me that at the door that was closed is now being opened and you're going to suddenly see um, more revenue coming in. If you're the NBA, you're going to have more eyes there. It's not going to hurt you quite as much as you thought it would. So it's big green door. Think, <laughs> yeah, big, it's big, just big it's bonkers door. to think that there's an opera that there are two opportunities here amidst a sea of just shit. And they can still walk away feeling like we have more money to spend than we did before. It's like it's it, there's always money in the banana stand. And that's what this feels like right now. Yeah. And, and the, just to put a cap on this, this part of the discussion before we get to the, the, the fun stuff, the fake trades. Um, if you're sitting there and you'd be like, how are you guys painting a rosy picture when the um, the finals that are being watched right now are the lowest rated? And I mean, I don't know what the official numbers are, but the the, the ratings suck. Um, I think you have to look at everything in context. I think this is it's a weird time. I think there's a lot more reasons for there's a lot of reasons for why the ratings are down. Um, but the one thing I will say is Adam Silver, unlike the commissioners and the, the three other major sports, if you could even call hockey a major sport at this point, um, he's not sitting on his ass like just hoping there's going to be another bidding war for the next television contract. Like they, the NBA is proactively um, looking at ways to continue to monetize because it's not that people don't care about the NBA. I think that's, I mean, I've looked at the ratings on occasion for this podcast. People care about the NBA and this is, you know, it's, this is about a team that's not even playing and it's like the level of interest is there. It's just that TV is changing and there's a lot of other reasons why maybe people aren't watching that have to do with the pandemic and, you know, everything else that's going on. But I personally am not I, I am not worried about that as far as like, is the NBA going to face a long term issue um, in terms of a, a, its major revenue? Historically, what has been its major revenue stream, which is TV contract. I, I, I you know, there's, there's always going to be TV stations willing to pay, first of all. And then in addition to that, I think they'll find some other stuff. Okay. How do we want to do this? You want to just go, um, you want to, you want to go rock, paper, scissors for who goes first? Well, should we first state that at least I, the way I feel is that there are two teams. Oh, sure. You want to actually go through, you want to do this in an organized fashion? Well, you know, we'll have some nuance here. Uh, we're not, we're not animals, John. Well, um, well speak for yourself. I okay. just request, I have a batshit crazy tray that I would like to leave for last, but I just, I just want that. Um, uh, out there. Who, who are the two teams that you, you were saying are what? So the two teams that really just aren't going to be in the picture for contending for the playoffs period. I've got the Thunder, assuming they trade Chris Paul and try to strip it down. Safe assumption. And then the Kings. Really? 
I just don't look, I could be totally wrong here, but I see them, especially in the West. And I, I struggled with the idea of the Pelicans, but the fact that their their trio did so well together when they played of uh, Zion, Brandon Ingram and Lonzo that I couldn't in good conscience say that they're not available to do it. So um, but no, the, the Kings to me are just they're just a, a stale team. Like nothing about them feels exciting except for deer and Fox. I just, and I, I gotta say, man, I, I rarely just, I, I, I look, I don't think they'll make the playoffs and I don't think anything they could do would get them in the playoffs. Right. That's what, that's all I'm saying though. But they, um, it was, I think, uh, Zach Lowe went on, uh, Simmons podcast, uh, at the end of last week and they forgot into a side discussion about the Kings for some reason. And, you know, Lowe even said it then. And this is not the first time I've heard him or some, People say this, like the Kings are going to try to make the playoffs next year. Like they will go into it with the intention of trying to win. Oh, it's not. It's not a whether or not they want to win. It's whether you they just can. don't think they can. Okay, no, I, I just don't think they have the personnel to compete for anything higher than maybe thirteenth. We saw this year. I think they finished twelfth. Was it? So your so. your position is that there is nothing the Kings could do that could potentially in there is no universe where they could finish with a better record than the Mavs next year. I think that's what you're trying to say. Exactly. Oh, see, so my team for that is the, um, is the Timberwolves. Yeah, I'm yes. I don't think they will finish higher necessarily, but this is the beauty of thinking what trades they can do. Cause they also hold the first pick overall. They've got $16 million in expiring salary. They can you know, massage where they need to. And that's obviously why we're doing this exercise now. But yeah, I, I don't have much optimism in the Wolves moving forward, but I, I'm I'm very intrigued as to seeing how D'Lo and Kat are together. I, again, I yes, I'm with you that I think that on paper right now, the Mavs have a much better roster and uh, the odds of the Wolves doing better than the Mavs, pretty slim, but it's not something I think we can, Totally, totally rule out. It's it's hard to picture it, but it's it's not completely done. Well, I have both the Wolves and the Kings on my uh, list of fake hey, trades. So <laughs> we're two different people. So that's why I love it. Forward, we'll do it. Okay. So um, that said, do you want it? To, I'm going to let you go first. Tee us off with your first fake trade. All right. Um, What's the team first? So I, I let's start closer to the top. Okay. Because then, you know, it's like, then we'll make it more exciting, I guess, for the team. Actually, why don't we do it like this? Why don't we go to the top down? Yeah. Okay. So do you have a Lakers trade? I do. As do I. I. Okay. You go first. I think a swell trade would be Danny Green and the 28th pick in this year's draft for Reggie Bullock. Basically, the the goal here, (laughs) if you are Los Angeles. Wait, can I just say my trade? Sure. (laughs) Danny Green. Um, JaVale McGee and Quinn Cook for the 28th pick and Reggie, or sorry, and the 28th pick for Reggie Bullock. My, my, I guess my, my thinking is that the price for the 28th pick, um, is, is a little bit higher and that the Lakers would call bullshit on the Knicks, that the Knicks actually really wouldn't mind having Danny Green at 15 million next year. Um, and the Lakers would, would make them take some more garbage, but continue. Well, that's fine. Even if you added the extra, I guess that's Quinn Cook's like 3 million. Quinn is at three and McGee is, uh, four is a player option for 4.2, but yeah. Okay. So yeah, you know, if that's sort of situation, then that totally works. Um, I think Danny Green here in New York would make a lot of sense. Uh, I mean, it's basically that veteran 
who has diminishing defensive abilities and as we very, I guess, painfully saw, uh, diminishing three-point abilities too. Uh, there's actually a really fascinating study that was done on Reddit last year that Danny Green always, and I mean always, performs at a higher level in a contract year. So next year is his contract. That's amazing. Year. That's awesome. Yeah, he brings it. He, know, he knows when his next paycheck is going to be set. So Basically, if you are the Lakers, maybe you're if you're against this type of deal, you think, well, why would the Lakers trade that if they're going to get better value? It's well, you can still get better than better production than uh, paying 15 million dollars for Danny Green, because that's not what he's going to be worth. And then they can better allocate those funds. Uh, The Lakers are probably under or they're going to operate in a situation where, especially if the salary cap increases a bit more, um, they could have up to like. $20 $20 million in cap space, something. I'd yeah, well, this is, it doesn't actually, I don't think it matters whether this trade takes place during the old league year or the new league year. It just um, has to happen after the Lakers make their pick. Yes, because they've, because they've traded away their pick next year. I, but the th- the key thing to note here is that, um, forget about Anthony Davis's cap hold. It's like some insane thing. Um, but his new, it'll be cheaper to just sign him to what we assume will be a one plus one and which his new max will be, I believe, $34 million. So that's six million ahead of, um, what he's making right now. And there's also some, uh, minimum salary slots, but you're right. It'll, it'll open up enough space for them to make a real, make a real signing. Yeah. And also Raymond Brothers is, Danny Green's Danny Green's agent, and as you pointed out, uh, Mitchell Robinson, yes, Scott Perry. There's a connection there. Tangled uh, webs. We obviously, weave. people know that Danny Green's from the Long Island area, which again, I think I may have said it, but it doesn't really matter in terms of his decision. It's just kind of interesting things that come about. So I, we're clearly on the same wavelength in terms of the structure of the deal. I would be very much open to Quinn Cook and Javale McGee if it meant bringing in the twenty eighth pick yes um i i would i would love that um that'd be i'd be a big fan personally i i would i'd probably think about taking on danny green for like a future top 55 protected second round pick um because like i just i i think there are a lot worse uses of 15 million dollars for the next year than than bringing in danny green um do you have a clippers trade i don't you know i I don't either (laughs) and they did their trade with the knicks it already happened and and what's more it Helped the Clippers get past the Mavs. So mission accomplished. Uh, sure. Yeah. Why not? From the Knicks perspective. Maybe the I'm trying to I was about to say that maybe the best thing the Knicks could do for the Clippers is to save themselves from uh, re-signing uh, Montrezl Harrell. Because um, I I could see that contract not being not being great. But uh, let Charlotte knows? do that. That's fine. <laughs> Good call. Um, I also do not have a Denver trade. Um, I looked and I just, I, I'm just not sure how we help Denver. I think I might know. Okay. It all depends on his health, but if the nuggets are coming into salary issues because of, um, Jeremy Grant's contract and they don't want to make upgrades, they just want to dump salary. Then Will Barton, he's got two years left. The second year is. How did I know option. you were go for a Will Barton salary dump? Okay. That's a, that's a, that's a very Jeremy. It's a very Jeremy move. Okay. Hey, I wrote about it for the Strickland and I'd be going against my own instincts if I didn't mention it here. Um, so basically the idea of Will Barton and the Denver 2021 pick for the Knicks 38th pick. So you're probably looking at it really it helps Denver in that they get to add 
uh, decent talent for, I mean, it depends on who they would pick, obviously, but uh, the finances are a lot easier for them because there's no rookie scale. They can kind of add talent and then they can um, sign this second round pick to whatever they want and they clear off a lot of money and they can still kind of go for it like they did this year. But that's really the only trade I see. And even then, I think Denver would be much better off turning that salary into a Drew Holiday type or someone else who can better help them now. Yeah, I got to think that there's a bigger trade on the board for them. I think the trade would be because you're asking them to give. So we're talking about teams like one wrong move and and I don't see them at any universe where they slip out of the playoffs, but I could see Denver a world where Denver's like a six seed next year. Um, and that, and their, and their pick ends up being like, you know, the 20th pick in the draft. That's a, that's a nice, that would be a nice asset. I think it would take, and I think the Knicks would want Will Barton. I think the Knicks would like Will Barton on his contract. Um, so I think it would take 20 soon. I think it would take 27 and Frank give them another perimeter defender, which they could use um, for Will Barton, Will Barton and the 21 pick. Oh, and a lottery, um, a lottery. So Denver's lottery protected 2021 first and Will Barton for the 27th pick in this year's draft and Frank and Lakina. And I, I, here's the, the issue though, is they have to pay Frank the next year. So it's, it's more salary that they're, accruing do you know what i mean yes but i think frank i think frank is gonna probably sign for like seven million dollars a year well you know if if that if you're in the luxury or close to it that's putting some insane pressure on you yeah i don't know look everybody every little bit counts what is barton making 10 10.5 something like that Maybe maybe Uh, a little bit more 12 i think it's close to 13 or 14 okay so that's you know what you're saving them some yeah, I, that's a that's. I but just, it's not like it's not like they're at the cap with that. It's their, or they might actually. It, it's rough for them no matter what. No, right? no, I, I agree. I agree with you. And they have a lot on. There's a lot of balls in the air with them. They have um, Millsap expiring and Plumley. I know he didn't <laughs> didn't have a great uh, couple moments there in the playoffs, but he they like him still. Um, okay, um, that's a good one. Um, that's a good idea. I, okay. So you, I have a Houston trade. Do you have a Houston trade? I don't. Okay. I couldn't think of something. So this is, this is insane. Um, (laughs) it's not as, well, no, let me rephrase that. It is the most insane trade that I'm proposing. Um, it is not the most, it's not the one I'm proudest of. The one I'm proudest of is the last one. This is the most insane one though. Um, Eric Gordon, are you familiar with this gentleman? I may be. Yeah, he is close to 32 years old. He has four, I can't even say with a straight face, four more years, right, on his uh, contract because they extended him before the season. Um, My God. Uh, He just completed a season in which he shot 31.7% from three. Um, So you may be asking yourself, what in God's name, Jonathan Macri, did you come up with that? the Knicks would be okay taking on Eric Gordon that you you admit you asked yourself that Um, here's what I have. We're giving them Julius Randall and we are getting their unprotected 2022 first rounder and swap rights in 2023 and 2027. I think it's, I think it's a, in an underpay. I don't think it's enough to the Knicks. 
But, but I also think there's a possibility Gordon, he was not healthy this year and not to say that he will be healthy moving forward, but I think this is about as low as Gordon's value could get. And I still think there's a world where he's like an overpaid, you know, or a helpful, albeit overpaid player over the next couple of years. That's where I'm at. I know. Uh, I I can't. I can't sign on to that. So keep in mind, 2022. No, I, I know. Well, for, for, I I don't think the picks works for them that way, though. I think aren't isn't there 2021 pick tied up? I looked. So I looked at. So here's the thing. Their next first that they traded away is so they traded away the 2021 first, but and then they traded away their 2024. First, so they can. Oh, and sorry, that's this but is why a, you. No, this is why you can make the deal. No, 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 this is it. They're twenty twenty one. It's a swap. They're getting a pick back in twenty twenty one. Okay, so they own a pick in twenty twenty one. So they can trade away a pick in twenty twenty two. I see, and then that's why you're saying the pick swap in twenty twenty three. Okay, but and I think uh, there is a real chance that Houston could be a lottery team by uh twenty one twenty two. Yeah, if they blow it up, I could. I could see it. Even I don't, if they don't blow it up, I could see them being a lottery team in 21-22. That thing with that owner and that, like, Russ, and it's just they have no avenues to get better. This would open up, a, you know, a, a little – I mean, it would save Fertitta money. Yeah. I think they've got one year left before all – I mean, you can probably argue that they've peaked right now and they should just kind of rip the Band-Aid off, but I don't think they will. I think it'll kind of just be – we've got one more year until James Harden's a free agent – and Russell Westbrook could put up some empty stats for us and, you know, something along those lines. But I also I don't know if 2027 is available because it's. Well, no, if you do. So if you wait to pull this off until after this year's draft night, then 2020, the, the minute this draft ends, you are allowed to trade 20 or make a transaction involving the 2027 draft because it is that it, at that point it becomes seven years into the future. You can't go past seven years into the future. Right. Sorry. I mean, because there are pick protections on the pick going to Oklahoma City. For so 20, even though it will likely convey in 2024, you can't trade it yet because it goes through 2026. I, yes. Yeah, so there would have to be some language like if the if the yeah, I mean, if the Knicks don't get swap rights because of outstanding debts like two un, seconds. unpaid yeah it converts into like i i wouldn't do this trade if i were the knicks but i just i we're trying to come up with fake trades yeah and this was the fake trade that i no, came I, up with listen i couldn't find anything so i applaud you for thinking of something i agree i, I went there not i went feel there. comfortable doing it but it's the same thing where i think if you also you could potentially find a trade partner for eric gordon down the line I don't know how good the, the return would be, but you're already getting something of value for it. Again, like I, I agree I wouldn't do it, but I get the creativity and I, I think you could potentially get your way out of it. Maybe um, it could also, for all we know, Eric Gordon's contract might, it may be the worst contract in basketball. Not because it's always easier to get out of a cheaper contract than like a more expensive one. And I know like John Wall makes whatever he makes and, um, you know, they're trying to think of some other ones. Um, Tobias Harris, like Tobias Harris is a better player at this point than Eric Gordon, but he makes, you know, twice as much. So. 
Let's move on mercifully. Uh, so OKC, we're skipping. Uh, did you have a Utah trade? I did. Okay, let's hear your so Utah trade. I've got Ed Davis and the twenty third pick for our good friend Reggie Bullock and the thirty eighth pick. Interesting. Okay. So Ed Davis has really played himself out of Utah. He is essentially a third. Uh, he's the backup's backup at this point, and he's supposed to be a good culture guy. He had success in Brooklyn, but he just they went over they went to Nyang over him. So there's not really an opportunity for him. And if you're Utah and you're worried about spending a lot of money, then this actually helps you cut down a bit. Reggie Bullock costs around a million dollars less. Yes, he does. 800,000 less. You're also paying less in terms of the draft pick because the drop from 23 to 38 will help you in terms of payroll. I think it makes sense if your goal is to move up effectively, which here it would be. And Bullock helps with their bench, Utah's bench, that was a, a big reason why they dropped the series down three or up three one was their bench was not coming through. So Bullock's no, he, he's not going to reinvent the wheel for them. He's not going to um, turn them into a, a, you know, a top 10 or even 20 bench, but he'll do enough to help them come along and, and bolster them in some way. And so I think that from a financial standpoint and from just exchanging one contract for another. Um, it does make sense for them to do this type of deal. What about you? I would, I would do this trade even if they had to do 27. Um, and it's literally just swapping Davis and Bullock to move up four spots. I think it would be worth it um, in this draft because I could see like people, I, I feel like people are, you know, talking about like, Oh, package 27 and 38 to move up to grab, you know, player X. I think the, whatever, whoever you think player X is going to be, I don't think 27 and 38 is going to be enough to go up to where they are. That, that player that you want is going to be there. I think 23 and 38, maybe, 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 maybe gives you a chance along with some, like a future something. I think the other one thing is, and yeah, I agree if it's 27 instead, that seems fine to me too. But the idea of the Knicks exiting the draft with three first round picks would be incredible. Oh, that'd be awesome. Leon Rose. I mean, the, just the concept of you went from one pick in the lottery and the Hornets second round pick to then getting two other first round picks. Uh, I mean, he didn't do the trade for Marcus Morris, obviously, but just an organizational standpoint, it would be fantastic. So I would, I would do this 11 times out of 10. I don't know if Utah would, but I, I think that they might be very interested. I, I mean, if I were Utah, I'd really think about it. I think Reggie Bullock could help them. Um, I I went a little bigger, which I, I don't think this is, is something that you... Here, there's only one scenario where I could imagine Utah doing this, and that is if they um, had uh, Fred Van Fleet uh, in the bag in terms of willing to come to them for... Um, the amount that would be opened up by this trade and you could see where I'm going. It would be Connolly at Davis and 23 for Randall and 27. Um, I think, I think if my math is correct, it would open up enough cap room for that, for them to be able to get in the conversation to um, make Van Fleet a really sizable offer. Um, and then they would, um, have to extinguish, or I, I don't know what the official word is. They would have to get rid of Jordan Clarkson's cap hold. And then, cause I think they want Clarkson back. 
um, Clarkson would have to uh, agree to sign for the full mid-level. So signing Van Fleet would get them to be coming over the cap team, and then they could sign Clarkson to a deal that starts almost $10 million annually, which I think is about what Clarkson's worth. Um, And then they also have Julius Randle. Um, So basically... I and I think you could argue at this point that Van Fleet's probably better for them than Conley. Um and I love Conley, but I think yeah, I think so. It's a shakeup. It's a big shakeup and it's aggressive and I I don't think this would happen, but that's that's what I came up with. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Van Fleet would make for a better partner, especially over the next 4 years. Yes. than Mike Conley would. And I would Definitely do this trade. The reason actually I was thinking about, I, I thought about something along those lines with Connolly and Randall for each other. But the reason I shied away was because we've had conversations before. And I know you're still saying you don't think it will happen. And I do agree. I don't. <laughs> um, but yeah, like kind of like what are more margin-esque deals, some, you know, under the radar type things. But uh, I do like this quite a bit. Your trade is the first trade that we've talked about that I think actually has a snowball's chance in hell of, of happening um, with the Utah Jazz. OK, so let's let's move on. Um, I do. I do not have a Dallas trade as, as it would go against <laughs> the spirit of this exercise. Um, I could only come up with one for Portland and it's my least. I, I don't know if I would say it's my least favorite, but it's. Well, uh, let me just say the trade and you'll see why I'm like pontificating here. Um, Ariza, Hood, and Nas Little for Julius Randle and Nilakina, with the thinking being, first of all, I don't, I, I genuinely think Portland may, would like hang up the phone because I think Ariza was doing really well for them before he, what did he get? He got COVID, right? Is that's why he didn't go to the bubble or did I he just he, opt out? I think his, one of his children was immunocompromised. Oh, okay. Okay. So that, okay. But he was playing really well for them and he's a good player on an expiring contract. Um, I think hood is good. Um, and he, I know he tore his ACL, but he, if you assume, a you know, eight month recovery with like another several months, like he'll, she should be back for next season. And I think they like Nas little. Nas little was like a, you know, top five, you know, prospect coming into his co- freshman year of college and like had some flashes in summer league and like didn't play a lot last year, but which is why the deal would be interesting for the Knicks perspective. You know, I don't know. Does Portland, does Portland think Randall like helps them at all? Does, do they think Nilakina is like, I don't know, someone they could throw in for 15 to 20 minutes is like to, to prop up their defense. I have no idea. Um, I don't like this trade, but it was, it was the best I could come up with. Yeah, no, I, I, I see what you're saying. Um, it's so weird with the too, because he, you're right. He was playing well, but he's also at an advanced age. He's older, where yeah. it's going to be problematic. I mean, they could have used his length and his defense, but maybe, maybe they can find someone on the open market who can mimic that and also help them for longer term. So I went in a slightly different direction because the other thing to note is that while Trevor Reza is an expiring contract and making $12 million next year, 12.8, he's only guaranteed for 1.8. So that means that similar to the contracts the Knicks have, um, he can be traded on draft night for $1.8 million. That's his value, not the 12 or so that he's worth um, this past season. So I, and again, I mean, th- there's clearly only one Reggie Bullock, and I don't think that he's worth a million, you know, I don't, I don't think he's the greatest player ever, but he makes a lot of sense for contending teams. So I've got Rodney Hood, Mario Hazonia, Trevor Ariza, and the 16th pick 
for Reggie Bullock and 27. Hold on. I need to hear that one more time. Ariza Hood. <laughs> I can't. Wait, no. I don't think they can trade Hizonia. If he, if both Hood and Hizonia accepted the player option. Which Hood is accepting his player option. We can be sure right. of that. What and is Hizonia, I foresee doing the same thing. What's, what's Hizonia's player option? It's like around $2 million. He's not, I don't see yeah. him getting anywhere near the mid-level or room uh, fully. In Europe, anyone. he can. Um, sure. Sorry, yeah, that, that mean, was mean. He's going to send, what What nationality is he that he's going to send the hive after me? Um, yeah, there you go. Um, anyway, so those three guys and did you say, who was the fourth guy? Ariza Hood. 16th pick. Oh, in the 16th. Oh, in the 16th pick. For Reggie Bullock and 27. <sighs> Could even throw thirty eight in there too. Let's throw thirty eight in there too, because I don't. I think that would be a little bit more balanced. So the so the motive for Portland would be to open up, but how much room does that even open up for them? It opens up more than you would think. Um, the the bottom line is if they feel like Trevor Ariza isn't going to be with them next year anyway, it wipes away their one point eight million dollar uh, guarantee. So if the cap keeps increasing, as now might be the understanding. I think that Portland could open up something like $20 million. They could get to $95 million if they do this trade? Yeah. Oh, wow. Something along those lines. That's interesting. I don't know. Hmm. Who's the player that they would... But like Van, so my, Van Fleet was, doesn't work for them because of no. it's positionally. So one option could actually be Joe Harris. I'm try- like, do they really want to go and, and big on jo- <sighs> Maybe not, but they're also, you know, if they wanted to trade assets for a player, they can just absorb that play into cap space. It's harder. I mean, could they do all of this after the, um, after the draft? Sure. It just would mean that they'd have to take on larger salary. But Unless you're telling me they, they're a sneaky Oladipo team and then they send like a future first and uh, what's his face? Uh, I don't even know if they would give um, si- Simons up. And uh, I think they like Simons a lot. Um, that's the one man. I, I, it's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. Cause they're at around, I'm just double checking 95 million. If you wipe away Ariza and Rodney hood, huh. it's interesting. I'm going to in that ballpark, but I, I think they're a sneaky free agent team. I wouldn't bet on them doing it, but It'd be kind of fun to see them be free agent players because they've been uh, they've had such limited cap space for external free agents for such a long time. Yeah. Because of 2016, when they overpaid Myers Leonard and um, Alan Crabb, it's it just been really rough for them. So I would love to see them. And if Melo stays there, too, it'd be nice to have them get some sort of high quality three who can assist them. So it'd be fun. I'd like to see it. But I, I think that if you're if from the Knicks perspective, you're not taking on a lot of money. It's some. Oh, but, I would I would crawl to Portland to make this right. trade happen. But yeah. you know, it's still that idea of okay, you've maybe traded twenty seven to thirty eight for sixteen. I think a lot of fans would then jump on the idea of so you're telling me that we could get a wing at eight, and then we could get someone like Maxi or Lewis Jr. or whoever it may be that's available there uh, as a maybe as a lead guard, maybe it's the best player available. Whoever it is, this would be a dream, um, yeah. an absolute dream for the Knicks. Um, I think Portland says no, but. Again, 
if they want to be players in free agency, this is the Man, type I, of deal. I'm, you're, 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 you're doing better than me on this. I'm going to admit it right now. You've uh, barring a big comeback from me. You've already won this. Uh, I mean, I lost it once I pitched the Eric Gordon trade. That was essentially me. Like that was like a pick six followed by fumbling the kickoff. And, uh, you know, you, you brought it in for the touchdown. But you sold the picks well, so I sold. I sold the picks. Well. <laughs> that's like that's like talking about the backup quarterback. We have a really good backup quarterback, though. Um, so next up is Memphis. Did you have one from Memphis? I did. It's kind of a lazy one. I mean, it's, it's, is it? Is it uh, I have Zhang and uh, is is that he pronounce his name? Zhang, Zhang, right? Gorgi Zhang, Zhang. That's it. Um, and forty for Randall. Oh wow! I I wasn't selling quite that low on Randall. But that is the structure of my deal. I have Gorgie Jang and 2021 swapping rights for Randall and 38. 2021 swap. They would never do a 2021 swap without protections. And at that, I mean, I, mean, I sure. should they could do, listen, they never say top, never, but they could do a top 10 swap, you know, top 10 protected swap. I'd be fine with that. I so so in the event that the Knicks in the event that the Knicks have something better than the or something worse than the twelfth pick in next year's draft. Um, okay, this is well, no, just the the idea that the Knicks are likely to finish with a worse record than the Grizzlies, so they wouldn't swap with the Grizzlies. I gotta be honest with you, I would say no to that if I was the Knicks, because like really, yeah, because I think because I think that the likelihood of the if 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 the if the swap was top ten protected, I think the likelihood of that swap actually becoming valuable, it would be so little because you'd be talking about like okay, Memphis finishes with like the eleventh pick or the twelfth pick, and the Knicks finish like how how high are the Knicks finishing? What are they going to be? A play- I mean, if they're in the playoffs, like okay, sure. I just no. I'm I'm saying the other way around. Wait, I'm what, that, maybe I'm misunderstanding you. Then I'm saying that the Knicks have the swapping rights with Memphis's pick. Not Memphis can choose to swap with. The yeah, Knicks. and I'm saying Memphis would never do that trade unless they protected the swap for like you could swap with us unless it's in the top X. Then the swap goes away. Like That's I don't fine. think. That's okay. So how are you? So how? What's the protection on the swap then, from Memphis's point of view? It could be a top ten swap. So then we are. T- I am because then okay. Let me let me. This is, this is quality podcasting, folks. <laughs> so Memphis, Memphis finishes with the ninth pick, okay, and the Knicks finish with the. the they get the thirteenth pick. Let's just say if they whatever. Sign for sign Van Fleet. Tom Thibodeau wins Coach of the Year. Um, hell, let's give them fifteen. They are not allowed to swap the 15th pick with the ninth pick because Memphis's swap swap rights has been t- protected for the top 10. Right. So then what I was saying does make sense, which is that I don't think the incentive is there for the Knicks. Well, it would carry over to the next year. So, you, oh, so you're saying if they don't exercise the swap, the swap carries over in, in and with maybe with lessening protections. That or, you know, it could be. A couple second round picks that come of it. Some, you know, it wouldn't just be the one year and it expires and that's that. There'd be some something in it if it doesn't convey. I'm I'm pretty high on Memphis long term. I don't. I still. I don't. I got to tell you. I got to. I don't think I would. I don't think I, so. You do and Jang and and whatever we're talking about with these swap things for Randall and thirty eight. I kind of like my deal. I like Jang and forty for Randall. 
But I think that's selling low it is, on Randall. It's, it is selling low on for Randall. You're right. Like, wouldn't you say that Randall right now is a better player than Gorgie Jang? Of course he is. But I right. also, so, I, I also am, am really high. I've, I've talked myself into so many players from this draft class that I, I, I want more bites. And, and also the other thing, here's the other nice thing. Wait, but, but aren't you, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm confused. You're saying Jang by himself for Randall and 40? No, we, they give us the 40th pick. Oh, oh, oh. Yes. Sorry. Maybe that wasn't. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I just think that I think Randall's worth more than the 40th pick and a worse player. I don't think he's worth a lot. I think he's worth more than that. Bringing a Tibbs guy back home. They didn't get along well though. Gorgie and Tibbs. Well, it's, I mean, let's, let's be fair. Just because Gorgie was uh, seen uh, shouting, and possibly crying in his locker after a few games where he didn't get enough, enough playing time doesn't mean they're not, you know, still on good terms. You never know. He got him paid. That's for sure. He, he did indeed get him paid. Um, no, that's. Yeah, I, I think we can move. I, I left, there's probably not a great deal. Here. Do you have anything for Phoenix? Yeah, I have Frank Kaminsky and <laughs> the 22nd and 23rd second round picks for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it doesn't have to be anything. It, it could, the Knicks could just absorb that, but um, you know, it could be the rights to Agnian Haramaz. It could be cash considerations. Whatever you want it to be. So you you really yeah. think they're that dead set on getting getting rid of poor Frank's contract? Oh my God! How well, the here, mighty they, have fallen. They have a solid amount of cap space. They're one of the few teams in the West that actually can can make a play at a Fred Van Vliet type player without doing much tinkering. Um, or if they want to go after a, a four, like if they wanted, I don't know, Jeremy Grant, they could do that with relative ease, but then they'd have also positional overlap maybe with Kaminsky and for, you know, two second round picks shedding his salary and that's 5 million. They clear. I would, I would do that if I'm Phoenix. You give your so your salary dumping Kaminsky the ex, an expiring contract. That's exactly what I'm doing. Yes. Hmm. I mean, it's listen. I'm, I'm, the, the best I could come up with for them, which I wasn't even going to name because it's such a piddly shit trade, is Reggie Bullock for a future second. But yours, yours once again, you're killing it here. Um, yours makes more sense. Hmm. Um. Okay. All right. I'm looking for someone. Uh. Somebody had sent me something about um, Frank Kaminsky. Um, <laughs> can I say this? Um, I don't know if I could say this. No, I'll tell you off air. Right. Uh, remind me to tell you after we're after <laughs> we're done um, about something that was said in a Knicks free agent meeting in regards to Frank Kaminsky. It is it is not flattering to the person that said it. Um, okay, we're moving on. Um, who's next? Um, Go down the standings here. Do you have anyone for the Pelicans? Wait, so next up is the Spurs. I have nothing for the Spurs. Okay. Oh, I, I see. You're going down like that. Yeah. I'm going down like that. Um, I want to save my my crazy Sacramento thing for last. Um, I have nothing for New Orleans. I, I came up with um, uh, Darius Miller and a future second for Reggie Bullock to save them some money. And then I thought of some Reddick trades too, but I, 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 I don't think it's worth talking about so i don't have any spurs trade i really tried to think of something that could work and i just didn't 
want DeMar DeRozan at all. I don't think there's much else that works. I don't want Rudy Gay. I don't think that helps the Knicks. Maybe Patty Mills. But no, let's. It's not. not gonna, yeah, no, we can yeah. move on from this. Do you have so, anything for the Pelicans? Well, I don't because of the fact that unfortunately Miller's contract is non-guaranteed. Oh, is it? I didn't even realize so they that. Can, yes, they can just wipe them away. Okay. Unless, I mean, they could. No, no, they then that's, then, it, but yeah, it's that's tough. let's move on. Okay, so now we're getting down to the bottom of the barrel. This is I, okay. Can I tell you the trade that I like the most? Yes, please. This, do. this is a Wolves trade. James Johnson. And I, I listen, I know people have been pitching James Johnson and what do they have is 18 for Randall. It's it, it's it's not going to happen. I mean, it, look, maybe it does, but I, I, I would be flabbergasted if the Wolves did that. So James Johnson, the 33rd pick and Portland's 2021 second rounder, which Minnesota owns for Julius Randall. It's intriguing. So James Johnson, James Johnson, the 33rd, 33rd pick in this pick. year's draft and Portland's 2021 second rounder, which, you know, could it be the 50th pick? Could it be the 40th pick? Could it be the 42nd pick? I don't know, but I'm, you know, I mean, I'm interested to find out. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it could definitely work. Um, and I think, I think Minnesota does that. Yeah, I agree. Because mine might be a little overzealous, but uh, oh boy, hey, I'm, ex- I'm excited. It's Julius Randle, our BFF Reggie Bullock. Uh, I, I, of course, and like at this point, it feels like we've just cloned Reggie Bullock. I, it's like times and signed him <laughs> to the same contract. <laughs> it's like, like are we really, we're just evening the playing field because everyone in the West now has a version of Reggie Bullock. It's like, like it's like Oprah giving away cards. Everybody gets a Reggie Bullock. This is great. Exactly. Uh, so I've got Randall Bullock, 27 for James Johnson and 17. I think that Minnesota probably says no to that, but they do make upgrades. You know, they they, they are do. able to um, get some defensive help from Bullock because Lord knows that that's what they need. And they're able to turn James Johnson into a better player in Julius Randall. And they still get a first round pick out of it. They get the 27th pick. It's it's a little bit cheaper, especially if, you know, it's weird. They're in a weird spot ownership wise because they are likely changing owners. Glenn Taylor wants to sell. So we don't really know who's footing the bill. If Glenn Taylor is doing things right now and he doesn't see a sale being finalized before the season, he may not want to pay a lot of money. You know, he may want to be on the, um, you know, cheaper side, but I, I'm, I'm not sure. That's this re- that really isn't nuts. It's ja- sorry. It's James Johnson and someone else. James Johnson and the 17th pick for, for Randall and Randall Bullock. Bullock and 27. It's a shame they don't have one more salary they want to dump that we could take on. Because I think if there was one more bad, one more bad contract that, that trade that we would take on, I think that trade would be more likely to happen. Well, here's a question now that I have for you. What? If salary isn't an issue, what about the idea of if they don't walk away from this draft with a lead guard? I mean, I'm already going to regret saying this, but adding Alfred Payton's uh, $1 million guarantee to it and them, I mean, with the assumption that they would pick it up. I I think they could find something better with the mid-level exception, but they have so many issues to begin with that I don't think Payton necessarily solves their playmaking, but he adds something to it. I'd be, nah. I I still would, I would say no if I'm Minnesota. I I think (laughs) he doesn't make any sense for them, but 
um, eh, it was worth a shot as extemporaneously. So, um, okay. So do you, do you, you're at it. You're done with trades, right? I'm all out. Okay. You ready for crazy town? Oh, let's do it. Okay. This is a three-way deal involving the Kings and the Philadelphia 76ers. So stay, I'll repeat it if you need. I'm going to do the players first and then the picks. Okay. So we have Buddy Heald. And of course, because you're not allowed to make fake Nick trades without this person being in it, Reggie Bullock. Um, both Heald and Bullock are going to Philly. Al Horford and Corey Joseph, um, who has a 2.3, 2.5 million dollar guarantee in 21, 22. Um, so Horford and Corey Joseph coming to New York. Julius Randle and Josh Richardson are going to Sacramento. Philadelphia's 2021 first round pick comes to the Knicks unprotected. Not that they're, you know, they're going to be in the playoffs, obviously, but just it's unprotected. And New York gets swap rights on Sacramento's 2021 first round pick for the Dallas pick. So they get to swap the Dallas pick with the Kings pick and the Kings pick would be top four protected. So the so again, it's swap rights unless the Kings get a top four pick, at which point the Knicks would not be allowed to swap the Mavs pick with them. And if they don't exercise the swap in 2021, it converts to a 2022 swap with, um, I guess, lessening protections or maybe no protections. Um, in which the Knicks could swap their own pick with um, with the Kings. That's the deal. I, do you want me to say it one more time? Quickly. I think I've got it. Okay. The Kings get Randall and Richardson. Yes. The Sixers get Heald and Bullock. Yes. And the Knicks get Kojo, Horford, the Phillies 2021 pick. Yes. And then 2021 swapping rights uh, using the, their Mavericks pick and the Kings pick. So essentially what you're looking at from the perspective of the Knicks is they are taking on one year of I I don't know if I called Corey Joseph like yes he's it's not good salary but you're essentially taking on the expiring contract of Corey Joseph because his guarantee for the following season which is again two point something million can be stretched over three years so you're talking about under a million dollars a year so it's essentially Corey Joseph's expiring contract you're taking that on there's also a decent backup point guard. And Al Horford, two fully guaranteed years at 27 per and then 14 million guaranteed in the the final year, which, again, could be stretched. So really two fully guaranteed years of Al Horford. And in exchange for taking on all that money, you're getting what I'm guessing will be a pick in the low in like the early 20s, like. I don't know, 21, 22, 24, 25, maybe whatever for Philly. Um, And you're basically moving up from what I'm assuming will be a mid 20s pick for Dallas into whatever the Kings pick winds up being, unless it's in the top four. So in a perfect world, the Kings get, you know, the fifth or the sixth or the seventh pick in next year's draft. And 
that goes to the Knicks and the, the Kings get Dallas's pick back. Okay. So first thoughts, I think Philadelphia does this deal. A hundred times out of a hundred. Exactly. Uh, it makes perfect sense for them. They turn a negative into a positive and they get out of the Horford contract incredibly well. Uh, I think the Knicks probably say no because of Horford's contract. I, yes, they can stretch it if they needed to. But the problem that I continuously have with Horford's deal is that you're basically you're I mean, his contract runs through the rest of RJ Barrett's. So it's not yes. properly exploiting a rookie scale contract. And I think that works for teams that maybe are in smaller markets because again, and, and we've talked about this at large, that the idea of the Knicks not going after stars is probably still uh, a futile one. I fully expect them to open themselves up and Horford could still be used as matching salary. I just don't know if he's going to be looked at as just kind of like a wash in terms of matching salary. You have to pay to get rid of him, even if he has a year or two left. Um, I guess the the real question I have is why Sacramento does it. So, so the Kings, so the, the healed situation, I don't know if you saw this, apparently, uh, he's no longer uh, returning the calls of his head coach mm-hmm. is the latest report from the athletic. So it feels like they need to trade him. It by far, I feel like Philly as an ultimate landing spot for, for healed makes the most sense. And I'm really honestly not sure how many other teams in the league would view taking on buddy healed as like, first of all, how many teams would view taking healed on that contract as like a, a, like a thing that they would want to do. And second, like who has the wherewithal to send something back that Sacramento would actually want here, the Kings unload healed and they get Randall who never know beauties in the eye of the beholder. Right. But they also get Josh Richardson who is on, he's one more year and then player option. So it's only one more year guaranteed, but at the very least they get off of healed's money. I it feel I I hear they it feels like they need more. Yeah, I just don't think they see healed as the albatross that some might. I think it's a terrible uh, contract. No, I, I don't think him. they see him as an albatross either. I agree with you, but they you're right. They can we send them? Can, can the Knicks send them? I, I, don't, I don't know. Does that, that does Dennis Smith Jr. interest them at all? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm I don't know. How about we take away? swapping rights I, it's still just tough because i well if you take away the swapping rights then like to me uh, yeah, richardson was my selling point when i came up with this but now that i'm talking it out but i think he only has he can opt out after next year he can yeah that's what i'm saying yeah right so then basically a year from now it's the idea of uh we're just gonna walk away from healed because that's that's oh my god i'm sorry I'm uh, I'm currently watching the Giants and the Cowboys game, and Dak Prescott's foot went in a way that Dak Prescott's foot should not go. Oh, that's and not good. I'm 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 a little woozy. No, I'm I'm really not. But it's uh, his foot got. Oh yeah, that's really bad. That's um, oh yeah, that's bad. So 
Uh, viewers this at home, you get to. This is fantastic. This, I can't wait to see this play. This is fantastic. For the uh, first time live with me, they got the card out and everything. Um, wow, that's pretty surprising. Anyways, back to a different sport, basketball. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I've always kind of envisioned a healed and Horford trade, but I didn't think that the Kings would want Horford, which is why I see you have the Knicks involved. That's but what I'm trying to. Yeah. That's why I kind of always thought of like a Charlotte or a Detroit taking on that type of contract because no, and, especially and like the, maybe not right. Detroit because it they makes do more sense. Griffin and they, they might, they probably will resign Christian Wood, but uh, Charlotte has very little. Um, but then I'm sure Charlotte would like to get off Terry Rozier's contract. So that, that would knows? actually be I don't really know. interesting. I if just, they, Dumped him for Kojo in some way. Um, but I see where you're coming from. The idea of, of being that third team instead of the just the one-for-one one teams that we've consistently added. Um, it would be a fun thing to do for having a third team involved in some way. Well, the other, the other part of this is the other part that I think I thought of. And I still don't think the Kings probably do this. But getting off Kojo and Heald, you're getting off $36 million with Randall... And Richardson, you're taking in thirty million, so you're picking up another six million dollars in cap space. So you know, I mean, Bogey's obviously um, restricted, but I, I think you know there could be something, there could be something there. I mean, I don't, listen, the Knicks could take on maybe more money from Sacramento. Maybe, maybe we take throw in uh, Bealitz. I don't, I don't know. Um, but yeah, this maybe was a, a bridge too far. Well, look. Uh, it's only appropriate. This was your idea, and you you thoroughly dominated me here. Um, I, I'm I'm happy to pr- fine to admit that. Um, I wonder if they would actually do any of these trades. That's what I'm wondering. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what to think. You know, as you um, eloquently wrote about this past week, everything feels so close to the vest. It that does. Yeah, it's um. You know, it's nice to know that we have no idea what's necessarily coming down the pike because <laughs> how frequently has it been where it's, uh, you know, completely loose lipped, uh, you know, like, yes, of course, uh, with Tibbs, that was certainly something that you reported on in February and that came to light. But other than that, it's just, um, things have kind of come by surprise. So th- that's nice. I like surprises as long as they're good, but as opposed to Dak Prescott's foot going the wrong way, that's not the type of surprise that you want. No, no. And oh, man, just the they kept back from commercial break. Everyone's crying. They're just looking down. It, I feel terrible. Hold on. That. Is his career yeah. like over? Like what? I I don't know. But that all I'm saying is ankles are not supposed to look like that. Jesus. Now I'm. Oh, shit. In other news, um, not not that it matters for our folks at home listening to this the morning after, but Goran Dragic is playing tonight. Or is it? Let me rephrase that. Goran Dragic is listed as active tonight. All right. I'm going to ask a terrible question, but do you think that the sports gods traded one for the. No, I'm just. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not cutting that out. That's staying. <laughs> no, um, I, feel, I feel terrible that Dragic wasn't able to play, and I hope that he does play tonight. Uh, and just a, just a quick uh, note on the Lakers. Can I rant for two seconds about something? You could listen, man. It's your podcast. Cool, cool. Uh, yeah, I don't know why I asked for permission. I'm just going to do it. So yes, um, the one thing that I really can't stand about this whole finals situation is, and people have talked about this before. So this isn't a novel thought, but uh, just this uh, this ability to make it all about Kobe 
And I'm, I totally believe in that teams and cities and franchises that suffer tragedies of some sort, uh, it bonds them together. I mean, we saw with 9-11, the Yankees, they didn't win, go all the way, but you know they're propelled by that. We saw with the Astros, though they cheated, they had Hurricane Harvey and that propelled them. Or the Boston Marathon bombing and the Red Sox, uh, that propelled them to a title. So the Lakers, I think that there is something to be said about the ability to um, have such a, a tragedy lift them. But we're making way too much of this about Kobe Bryant and not the team itself. And it's crazy to me how people have consistently tried to find these like unique parallels where studies show that when something happens, we're just more aware of numbers and signs. But, you know, like tonight it's going to be something like, Oh, um, like it's October and Octo is Latin for eight and the Lakers are going to win and it's going to be heat two Lakers, like four Lakers and that's 24. And then, um, you know, like it's the 11th. So if you add one and one, that's two, it's going to be shit like that because that's all we have seen. And I just want it to stop. I mean, I just, I want to appreciate what the Lakers have done individually and then I also want to say it's really admirable that in the face of everything that was going on, um, I'm glad that they dedicated the season to Kobe. But, um, man, it's just like it, it, it gets to a point where it's too much or where people start to think on Kobe's behalf, like, oh, this would have happened or like he would have thought this. We don't know. Well, we really don't. It's using so, it's using somebody's memory for it's martyring it, it among other things that are, are not um, kosher. Um, I, can I just go on my, I think it'll be a slightly shorter rant. Um, I, I want somebody to hold media people accountable for when they start laying the groundwork for stories that will be convenient for them to refer back to. If an event goes a certain way, when the event doesn't go the way they think it will go for, for example, um, before game five, there was talk of how LeBron James after um, I guess he said uh, game four was a must win game. And of course they won it. Um, I, I don't want to name any names, but a few national media people pointed out that uh, LeBron James again, sent a text to his teammates saying tonight must win game. Um, well, guess what? It didn't fucking win. Um, so, and now like that, that story goes away and I kind of, you know, I don't know. I, I, I'd like, I don't know who asks, who's supposed to ask that question or how it's supposed to get pointed out, but I'd like it to be pointed out that like, Hey, you tried to make it a, a thing and uh, it turns out it wasn't a thing. So you should now own it. Um, but of course that never happened. So that's my very small rant. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, this, <laughs> this was fun. I, I needed this. Um, anything you want to, uh, pitch, uh, plug, promote before we go? No, I am. All set here. Just uh, don't do anything bad to your ankles, guys. I saw. Maybe. I just saw it. By the way, well, yeah. well, well you're, it's that's it's not it's, it's not what you want. Um, yeah. Well, the Cowboys just scored a touchdown because of Zeke, but uh, the first play afterwards, Andy Dalton just got sacked for like <laughs> eight yards. So, oh my god, um, Andy Dalton's the backup for Dallas. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, um, let's hope <sighs> for a great finals game tonight, and. Um, Hopefully with we can end the narratives and then we'll have like a month and a week to worry about the draft. So that's what I'll plug. I'll plug uh, purgatory because that's what it will feel like for a month and a half.
Um, I like it. Um, I probably should have said this at the top, but uh, just as a reminder to anyone listening on uh, Monday morning, um, I it's a holiday. It's uh, Columbus Day or Indigenous Peoples Day, whichever you want to refer to it as. Um, no, no, no judgments here. Um, but uh, t- not doing a newsletter today. Taking taking the day off, and uh, there will be a Nick's Film School newsletter for you on Tuesday, um, bright and early. And that is all I have to say. Um, if anyone on the Knicks has listened to this, please don't trade for Eric Gordon. Um, I think, I think I was, I don't know, at a momentary, um, what do you call it when you, when you, when you like space out or maybe you, you, uh, black out. That's it. I blacked out for a moment. Um, Yeah. I'm going to go with that. All right. Uh, We'll see everybody uh, soon with another episode and uh, enjoy your week. Take care.